0: Welcome to the Wake and Take podcast. On today's show, we break down the Vikings 28-27 to 27 win over the Carolina Panthers. Big time drive from Kirk Cousins at the end of the game. We talk about all of that. Then Randy calls in to talk uh, Green Bay Packers and their big time win over the Chicago Bears. Then we talk gopher football and the news about Saturday's game. We talk gopher hoops, recap the first couple of games from Minnesota, and then BG gives some takes on college basketball. Hit it, Zachary.
1: There is
2: a house in New Orleans They call the rising sun And it's been a ruin
0: And And welcome to the show. Victory Tuesday here, fellas. Uh, And for a while on Sunday, it did not look like it was going to be a Victory Tuesday episode here. But thankfully, the Vikings kind of flipped the script uh, from three other games this season that come to mind where we find a way to lose the game at the end of the game. And, And this time, uh, we were on the other end of that where the Panthers, found, or I mean, yeah, the Carolina Panthers found a way to lose the game, and we found a way to come back and win that game. Chad Beebe nearly blown it with the muff punt and then comes back, scores a touchdown to win the game for the Vikings. And thankfully, BG, uh, thanks to many stupid mistakes by the Panthers with uh, head coaching decisions, offensive coordinator decisions, defensive coordinator decisions, uh, the Vikings snuck away with a one-point win.
3: Yeah, it just seemed like uh, when the Panthers kicker got that opportunity for, I think it was a 54-yard field goal at the end, that there was absolutely no way he was going to miss that field goal because it's Vikings football, and that's just what happens if you put yourself in a good opportunity. You choke it away like we did uh, with that long pass from Bridgewater, but thank God um, that it was in our favor one of these times. Um, Even with the the turnovers, like you mentioned, uh, special teams still playing very subpar, um, even other than that B.B. Muff, just getting nothing going on special teams. But we pulled away with it, and that's that's the big thing. Uh, we got help from the Cardinals, too, so we're now sitting the game out of the playoffs um, and the Bears lost as well. So, I mean, we're still in this thing, and our offense is playing great. Obviously, no Thielen, That's our go-to guy, our go-to guy in the in the red zone mm-hmm. on third day. We didn't have him, and Kirk still played a tremendous game, um, both in the air and some of those rushing plays. Huge plays to get us the first down. So just all over another great performance by Kirk. Um, and he he did it all this week. He did it all last and except didn't capitalize on a game-winning touchdown drive for multiple reasons like that Jefferson drop and Phelan P.I. But this time he put it together and marched down the field and got that game-winning drive. And as a Vikings fan, I don't know what else you can ask of Kirk Cousins. Maybe holding onto that ball for that one fumble. But other than that, he played phenomenal. And it was good to see the Vikings win when we play bad because we usually haven't seen that this season.
0: Yeah, Kirk was terrific on that final drive. And I thought he started the game a little shaky. He had a few throws in the first half where it felt like, oh, oh, this is one of those Kirk Cousins just – cannot throw the football today and is going to have a terrible day. But he did, and he did enough. I mean, the drive at the end of the first half and then the drive to win the game was, you know, enough to win the game. I mean, that's all you can ask for Kirk Cousins. And, you know, regardless, I think, of how we finish this season, I think we've seen enough out of him to say he's going to be our starting quarterback to start next year. And it was a big-time drive, I think, not just for Kirk, but for really the narrative surrounding this Vikings offense that they can't perform Uh, when they can't run the ball, and we could not run the ball on Sunday, and they still found a way to win the game, and they still found a way where Kirk couldn't throw the play-action passes that he's usually able to get with guys open downfield where he can get easy throwing catches, that Kirk really thrives in those situations. He didn't have any of those on Sunday. He was forced to throw from the pocket, a pocket that wasn't usually clean. He was forced to scramble, which he hates doing. He looks very unathletic when he does it. Uh, but he did it pretty good. He was efficient on Sunday. He was effective. He didn't have the careless turnovers, uh, other than that one sack where you mentioned that he dropped the football. Where you got to hold on to the football, Kirk. Uh, I mean, there's still those plays where you just scratch your head and say, "Why are we paying this guy the money we are?" But he did enough to win the game. And he, you know, he was there when we needed him to in the fourth quarter at the to win the football game. And you mentioned, uh, I mean, some of the other late drives this season haven't gone. The, the way of the Vikings so far this season. And some of those drives, you can say maybe Kirk had a bad throw here or there, but a lot of those drives, it's a drop from Jefferson. It's a no call uh, on Thielen. And it's like in the Seahawks game, it's because we can't get one more yard from Alexander Madison. Otherwise, we win that game, and Kirk has a successful final drive, and he ices the clock, and we beat the Seahawks. I mean, we're one play away in so many of these cases, and the narrative is built up that Kirk Cousins and this offense can't finish drives, can't win games late. I think it's bogus, and I think it showed um, on Sunday.
3: Yeah, and if we're going to make the postseason and make a late-season push, I know we've already talked about it. We got I mean, we screwed ourselves over with the Cowboys game, losing an unnecessary game against a horrible team, as we saw on Thanksgiving Day uh, when the Cowboys played. But, I mean, if we have a balanced offense, and we've proven it this past weekend that, When the run game is not working for us, Delvin Cook, 61 yards, 3.4 yards per carry. That's pretty bad for Delvin Cook. That we can go to the passing game and we can win against those teams. Um, And we're going to need to against the Saints and the Bucks. But Kirk Cousins had 34 completions, 45 pass attempts. That's like Patrick Mahomes' numbers there. Just the amount of times you're throwing the ball and completing the ball, 34 completions. We haven't seen... We don't see that a lot with Kirk Cousins. And it was refreshing that he was efficient, um, not only this past Sunday, but just it seems like the past four games. And I've got some stats here, too. Kirk Cousins, through the month of November, now that it's already December, mm-hmm. but he had mm-hmm. a tremendous November. Um, kind of reminds me of two months he had uh, in, in this past season where he was like the NFC player of the month. I don't know if it was back-to-back, but he had two really good months. But anyway... For this month of November, he is number one in the league in passer rating out of every single quarterback with 124.3 passer rating. He's third for um, the win and loss in November 4-1, and second in completion percentage with 72.4, and third in the league with 12 passing touchdowns. So I don't know what else you could ask for Kirk to do. And if we can have Kirk be consistent, um, stay healthy and get a clean pocket and have that run game, I think it's just going to come down to the defense and who puts up the most points, but it was good to come away with a win after turning the ball over consecutive possessions for a touchdown. If you had BB muffing it, that's hard to do. Even if it's against a bad Panthers team, you got to win when you play a good and when you play. Bad. So thankfully Kirk is playing great and the defense, hopefully they can step it up in a week to come against a weak uh, Jaguars offense.
0: Yeah. The Jaguars are terrible. I mean, we, we said this going into the Dallas game, but I, I think if the Vikings lose this game, I mean, we have to start questioning if we're still going to be fans of this team. Because, I mean, that would be pathetic. That would be absolutely pathetic if you lose to the 1 in 10 Jaguars. Uh, but, but back to this game, BG, I, I think the defense was horrendous. I thought we our secondary was, was really bad, except for – you know, some some really bright spots from DJ Wanham. I mean, he is having a tremendous season. He blocked the field goal on special teams. He was a force on the D-line all day. And, he I mean, he's been a really, really good player for us and a tremendous surprise out of the rookie at Wanham.
3: Yeah, he's going to need to step in to play on the other side of Daniil Hunter next season, and he's doing a great job kind of making a name for himself. I had no idea who he was before the season began. I'm pretty sure I could speak for everybody when I say that. But to have those two exterior guys on the defensive line, obviously (laughs) they're in completely different levels. I'm not saying that. But Mm -hmm. to have a guy on the opposite side of Daniel Hunter with Ngakwe gone and everything that's happened with Everson Griffin and at least have a respectable option there is encouraging and a guy who's cheap for us. So um, that'll be big for us. And then while we're talking on the defense, I got to talk about Eric Kendrick's seems like we talk about him every weekend, but that's because he is an absolute stud. He had 12 total tackles this past weekend, which is pretty normal for him and what else is pretty normal for him is he, he had another interception. yep and I don't know if there's a better pass coverage linebacker in the league. I, I don't know who that would be because he is incredible at reading the plays and being in that right position and attacking the ball and making great catches, like receiver like catches to make an interception. And we are very fortunate to have him, one of, if not the best linebackers in the league.
0: Yeah, I mean he's been all. He's going to be an All Pro this season. I mean he he's been unbelievable in his past coverage. And I said it last week that he was, in my opinion, far and away after that performance against the Cowboys, the best pass coverage linebacker in the NFL. And he proved it again uh, this Sunday. All right, let's look at the playoff picture here. BG, you mentioned it. Uh, And with the big win over the Panthers and that Arizona loss to New England, Vikings are one game back. We're one game back of the Arizona Cardinals. They've lost, I think, three in a row, Uh, maybe two, but two or three losses in a row for the Cardinals. And we're one game back of that seventh spot. And I don't know, Andy, maybe you know this too, how many more games need to be canceled for the NFL to say they're going to open up an eighth spot in the playoffs. But right now we're sitting one game back at five and six and looking like there might be a chance that there's an eighth playoff spot, I think the Vikings are in great shape.
4: Yeah, I don't know how many games need to get canceled, but I mean, just look what they're doing with the the Ravens and the Steelers. They're going to play that game no matter what it takes. So I think the NFL is doing whatever they can to have absolutely no cancellations this year. So I I seriously doubt that they'll open up to that eighth
3: playoff spot.
0: Okay, just shutting us right down there. Um, we'll. I'll do <laughs> some more research later this week and get back to you on that. But I don't think there's really that many more games. I think if like one more game gets canceled, uh, then yeah. But like you mentioned, they're trying to do everything they can to play every single football game. But we'll see. Um, BG, how confident are you in the Vikings' chance to get that that final playoff spot?
3: Well, I was looking through both of our schedules today. And when I say both, I mean obviously the Vikings and the Cardinals. And we have a very good chance of being tied for that final playoff spot after this weekend because we play the Jigs, obviously. And the Cardinals play the Rams, a very hot team in the NFL, a very good team. And the Cardinals still have to play them twice. So I've, if we're just being optimistic, there's two losses there for the Cardinals. Um, we win. All the games we're supposed to win. If we lose both, um, to, or if we lose to the Saints, lose to the Buccaneers, it's going to be a close race uh, for that final spot. If we can find a way to split one of those games, I think we have a chance. And we always play well against the Saints as of late. Mm-hmm. If we have our guys healthy, our offense is going, we're just going to have to outscore the Saints. And I at least give us a shot to do, it, to do that. So this loss helped us out a lot with the Cardinals. Uh, I thought with Cowboys lost. Our season is pretty much over. It very well may still be, but I think we still have a chance uh, to make the playoffs.
0: So you're saying there's a chance? Yeah, I, I'm with you, BG. Uh, I mean, just going through, <clears throat> even if we get to nine and seven, the likelihood that we have the tiebreaker over Arizona, which is pretty high at this point, if we can get to that nine and seven point. And even if they, I mean, we still control our own destiny. If they win out, they're they're in for sure at ten and six even at 9 and 7 I'm still confident that this Vikings team wins the tiebreaker uh with Arizona maybe even the box we'll see what happens but uh there there's a couple teams in there that you're looking and, and let's swing over to the Packers side of things as the Packers got to 8 and 3 now after trouncing the Bears on Sunday night football and Randy what's what's kind of your take how badly do the Packers want that number 1 seed
4: uh I think I mean, obviously, they won pretty badly, especially considering that only one team gets by in both conferences this year. Uh, But before we dive into the game, uh, I got two fun facts. So, first, with the Packers' win yesterday, they take a 100 to 95 lead all time in the series against the Bears. Uh, Just over 25 years ago, the Bears led the rivalry 81 to 57. And then, uh, and then, some guy named Brett Favre came to town, and uh, they've gone forty-three and fourteen against the Bears since uh, since Brett Favre took over as a starting quarterback. So, wow, it's, um, <laughs> that, that is kind of <laughs> that, uh, a,
0: that's a fact. I don't know if I would call it a fun fact, but yeah, congrats.
4: Then uh, the the other uh, the other fun fact is the uh, the Packers on on Twitter were calling out uh, before the game some of the all time matchups between Bears and Packers. Uh, including the 1980 matchup between the Bears and Packers where Chester Markle uh, on a game winning kick attempt uh, had his kick blocked and then he caught the block and ran the ball into the end zone for the game winning touchdown as time expired. Uh, Why that is a controversial play in Packers history is because he later acknowledged that he was uh, doing cocaine throughout the second half and Bars. Bart Starr cut him <laughs> uh cut him a week later due to his uh, cocaine use during games. <laughs> oh my goodness. So uh wow. and if you watch if you wa- if you watch the uh play from uh from that game, I mean he he's running as fast as a wide receiver. I mean he is like you can tell he's hopped up on something. Um <laughs> but I thought that was interesting that uh, you know, kind of a controversial moment in Packers history and the Packers on Twitter, at least calling that game out as one of the all-time, uh, all-time series highlights. So that was, a that was something that I hadn't learned before. Uh, I thought that was, uh, something, uh, you, the listeners would find, uh, would find fascinating, but, um, but yeah, but getting into the game, I mean, the Packers dominated exactly what everyone expected. I think besides, uh, besides big cat over at Barstool, um, I mean, it, I, the pack. The Packers played that game like they didn't want Matt Daggy to to get on the plane home. I mean, they were doing everything they can to just have the Bears call it quits with them uh, right there. So um, the rest of the schedule looks favorable. We got to play the Bears again. I think our hardest game is the uh, is the Titans in Week 16. So that'll be a big game, especially with how awful our run defense has looked. Um, so I think you know you have guys getting healthier again. Alan Lazard is back. Um, I mean, I think if we can just stay healthy, um, I think we're at least going to have a top two seed, but I mean, getting that top seed and that buy is so important this year.
0: Yeah, it, it certainly is with only one team getting the buy, like you mentioned, but it's really a three team race, Seattle eight and three and the saints now nine and two Packers eight and three looking at the schedules, Andy, it looks like you guys got a pretty good chance, uh, to win out at least. Uh, considering, well, let me pull it up here and go through the the final f- uh, four here for your Packers. But uh, looking at it, just without looking at the games right now in front of me, I, I thought you guys had a pretty good chance to win out your last four games or five games.
4: Yeah, we got uh we have the Eagles next week and the Lions and the Panthers, uh, Titans and Bears. So I think four of those games are completely winnable. I don't see any problem losing those games. But again just Derrick Henry scares me and Derrick Henry scares all Packer fans. When you look at that run defense, how it's, how it's been this year. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what we throw up against uh, throw up against the Titans. But I mean, if Aaron Rodgers can have the half of football like he did on the first half against the bears, um, I mean, it's, it's going to be a horse race. So um, I haven't looked at the, the Saints schedule either. Um, I don't know how, how tough they, uh, they have coming down the stretch. I know, if they have the Chiefs left, um, yeah, let's see If they, they have you left in <laughs> the Vikings, um, mm-hmm. which have, is a tough game for yet? them. Have we heard yet when uh when the Taysom Hill uh era ends in uh in New Orleans and when old it, man Drew Brees is coming back?
0: Uh, I don't know if we have an official date, but if he starts that Christmas Day game against the Vikings, they they're gonna have four weeks of film on Taysom. And I think it's going to be an absolute massacre for him with this Vikings defense, with Zam bringing all the blitzes. I don't think he's going to be able to pick all that stuff up and sort through all the blitz packages that Zimmer has and can throw at a quarterback. And with four weeks game film, they're going to have a great idea of what he wants to do, and they're going to have a good idea how to stop it as well. So if if it's not before that Christmas Day game against the Vikings, I think it'll be shortly after.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And I, I don't think we've talked about the breeze injury on the show yet, but I mean, how, how old is he? 43, 42, 43. Yeah, something like I that. Mean, Let me see here. A, so, so, some, someone that age breaking 11 ribs. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that is, oh, that, that's just got to be so painful. 41, but yeah, and playing uh, I, through 41. it too. 41. Yeah, and, and playing through it too. I mean, that is, um, like that's that's a, how many ribs do you have in the body. Like that, I mean, I don't know. It's he broke, he bro- yeah. It, it's <laughs> he broke near da- damn near every at one least of them 11. <laughs> at least 11. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, it's, I mean, I, I don't see how, um, I mean, there's part of me where I don't see him coming back. They want to keep him healthy, but I mean, a lot of people are saying this might be his last year. So, I mean, if you're Drew Brees, do you, you know, try to suck it up and, you know, play through it if you think you can, because, it's not like he has to necessarily play for his future at all. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know what.
0: And are they going to give Jameis a chance too? I mean, they that that's been yeah. a big controversial thing I, recently on Twitter, especially give Jameis a chance. And and so far the answer has been no.
4: I think um, my idea for this weekend for the, the Saints Broncos game was uh, the Saints should have given Jameis the uh, starting job for the Broncos, and then whoever wins the game. uh, <laughs> That get that quarterback gets the starting job in New Orleans.
0: I love it. I love it. Yeah, that was a mess in Denver. I wish they had let their coach their offensive quality control coordinator or whatever they wanted their coach to play. Yeah, that would have been awesome. That would have been so sweet. It should have just been like a one time thing. COVID rule, they could have said, but the league was like, Well, we don't want teams stashing quarterbacks on their coaching staff, you know, just yeah, in that case, which makes sense, but you know, they could have made. A that would win. have been a
3: dream come true for that coach. Oh, I know. <laughs> he probably <laughs> knows the offense better than anybody.
0: Just imagine how well. Then they excited he was for however many hours it was from the point that it was like brought up in the meeting. Like, well, Johnny, why don't you why don't you just go out there and play quarterback? <laughs> and then they probably called the league and however many hours it was between that point and when he heard that he wasn't gonna be able to play, that guy must have been so excited and just so. He was on
3: cloud nine. Yeah, I
0: might play an NFL football game like. <laughs> That guy must have been pumped. <laughs>
4: that that's just like how uh, in the baseball season when the Marlins had all the COVID cases, like you you gotta know that at one point Derek Jeter, you know, said to someone, "Hey, you think I can? Uh, you think I can lace him up and uh, you know, and in, in fill in for a couple games?" Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's uh, I I don't know what the list of coaches across the league would be that would uh, that would wanna you know suit up for a uh, for a game. I have to imagine Sean McVay would be in there. Um, I'm trying to think any yeah, other. Yeah, maybe Kingsbury or. I yeah. feel like oh, John yeah. Gruden would. Oh, yeah.
0: John Gruden would hop oh, in there too, yeah. just to, if given the <laughs> chance, he would, <laughs> you know, get in there and play a little linebacker or something, maybe fullback. Uh huh.
4: Uh huh. Yeah. and yeah. well, the, definitely... the Broncos, too, they uh, they signed uh Pat Shermer's son, um to uh to the uh as, as a quarterback, um I think. Today, yeah. maybe maybe uh-huh. late last night, and Shermer's their their offensive coordinator. So, I have to imagine the uh the connection there is that I mean, he probably knows knows the system more than any other quarterback they pick up off the street.
0: Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, that's true. I didn't even hear that. Interesting, uh, Fellas, Anything else NFL related before we move on to college football?
3: Kyrie kills
4: fast.
0: True statement. BG.
3: Carson Wentz's offensive line is absolutely cheese. I'm watching the game right now. I feel bad for that man. You better have a really good life insurance policy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think he's got some money saved up from that draft uh, still, so he'll be all right. But, yeah, that's wrapping up NFL. Let's move on to college football. Not much to talk about here, especially Gopher-related. For the second week in a row, game canceled, this time against Northwestern. Uh, Gophers still have, I think 20 some players and coaches on that COVID list. Uh, expected for that to even grow more next week. And, and it might even be the end of the season for this Gophers squad. Uh, assuming that, I mean, with the numbers they're reporting, it's going to be tough to get that under control in with the time frame that's set up by having a, like the 17 day, uh, shutdown or whatever the, the big 10 is doing. Uh, so it could be the end of the season for Gopher football. Uh, which would be which would be sad, and we're officially out of the playoffs. And uh, we were talking about it before we mentioned or before we started the show. And Andy, you mentioned that Northwestern now not playing this game against the Gophers has secured a Big Ten West title, right?
4: Uh, effectively, I think they only have to play one more game. Uh, I think if if they don't play the final three games and they also don't uh, don't meet the the game thr- threshold to sure. uh, to play in the championship game, but um, as long as they play one more game, then win or lose, they uh, they'll be in the Big Ten championship game.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. It makes sense. You gotta get six to get in. Yeah, they're five. Wait, are they? Is it six to get in? And they're four and one. Think, is that right? I think it's six.
4: I think I think it's six. Yep. And they're four and one.
0: Okay. Yeah. So that's right. They'd only need one more, than win or lose, to get in. We'd be seeing our boy Ramad Chakio Bowman catching touchdowns. Uh, in Indianapolis against uh maybe Ohio State but now Ohio State their game is canceled against Illinois this weekend they're only at four games they still have two to play just to get eligible for that big Ten championship
4: yeah and I think uh, I think I was playing Illinois this weekend I don't know who Ohio State I think maybe Michigan State is who they canceled again
0: I thought it was against Illinois was it not let me let me check here but uh They are – no, you're right. It was – no, no, they play Michigan next week on – Michigan State. Michigan State next week week week. and – yeah. And then Michigan the week after that. But they play them on the fifth. Yeah, that's this coming week. So, you're right. It was Michigan State. Uh, Must have been Illinois that they canceled against last week.
4: I think that's it, Yep.
0: So, games against – yeah, Michigan State – this coming Saturday, Illinois last week, and they're scrambling just to get into the playoff. Uh, and that's going to be really unfortunate. And it's looking like now with all these cancellations in the Big Ten that they're, they're likely not going to get a Big Big Ten team in that college football playoff, um, especially with Notre Dame playing as good as they are at 9-0, and Alabama 8-0, Clemson 8-1. and I mean, Ohio State's still up there, ranked fourth in the country, third in the AP but if they're not going to get to six six games in this Big Ten season, they're not going to get into the Big Ten championship. They don't have a sh- chance uh, I, to get into the college football playoff.
4: I, I think though, if you listen to, I mean, not just this year, but in the past couple of years, the the methodology around um, the the committee is they want the four best teams. It's not necessarily about winning your, you know, being a power five team, winning your your conference. Um, they're gonna pick the four best teams in football, and I think um, even if Ohio State doesn't play another game this year, um, I th- I think they're still in that uh, um, that uh that that playoff. I mean, I, I would I would put money on it right now that it's gonna be Clemson, Ohio State, uh, Alabama, Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame's probably the biggest. Um, question mark is do they do they have to play Clemson again in the yep. ACC championship game? Yes, they will, yeah. Um so I don't know if, you know, if, if Clemson wins that game with Trevor Lawrence and you know, one loss Clemson, a one loss Notre Dame, but yep. their losses being to each other if you put both of them in the playoff, but um I mean there hasn't been a, a fourth team that um you know, has really stood out as um deserving, I think of that uh of that fourth spot. I mean, maybe Florida, Kyle Trask has been playing really, really well over there. And obviously if BYU stands out there who, you know, if they go undefeated, they're going to, they're going to want their case um, to be in it. But uh, yeah, as I said earlier, I think Ohio State cannot play another game and, and they're still going to be in the college football playoff. I, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know.
0: I, I don't know. Cause you, like you mentioned Florida, you got Florida at seven and one, uh, you got AM at six and one. Cincinnati at 8 and 0, BYU at 8 and 0, Miami at 7 and 1. I mean, if those if any of those teams win out and get to 10 or 11 wins, I don't know how you would and win one loss or no losses in the case of BYU and Cincinnati, then I don't know how you would keep one of those teams out when you have Ohio State sitting at maybe 5 and 0.
4: I think it gets at the bigger issue with the playoffs and you know there's been a lot of talk about expanding it. I think the most logical way to expand the playoff is the, the five winners of your power five conferences get an automatic bid. And then there's one out at, at large bid, whether it be, you know, an undefeated Boise state or BYU or Cincinnati, depending on the year, um, or if it's another sec team. Um, I think that's the, I think that's the easiest way to do it. But um, I mean, looking back the past couple of years, it's, there's some years where the, the top four teams are just so clear cut and there's years like this one with you know due to covid that uh it's just a little more gray um and you know obviously like a couple years ago with um you, know, you go back to like when deshaun watson was still in clemson you know alabama and clemson were by far the two best teams in football for a couple of years and no one was even close um and the fact that they even had a Play, you know a semi-final game seemed <laughs> seemed like it didn't matter a month, that mm-hmm. much um so i mean i think um i mean a lot can still happen in the next couple of weeks um we'll we'll see if you know more teams have have games canceled in other conferences but um yeah i mean it's uh kind of a shit show in uh, mm-hmm. college
0: football. Yep. A lot to watch for in college football and a lot to watch for in college basketball too, as that got going this week uh, with a pretty crazy opening week of hoops, Gophers 2-0. and uh, I think they beat LMU. And I don't even remember the first school they played. Uh, was it like North Dakota or something, BG?
3: It wasn't North Dakota. I'm trying to think who it was. They're it was currently they playing. playing
0: uh, Green Bay. I think it
3: was. Green actually. Bay. That's right. Yep. And think Yeah, I think we beat them by around, like, 30 or something. Yeah, beat LMU our second game, and we're currently playing LMU again right now (laughs) for our third game.
0: Yep, LMU staying in town for two. I mean, that makes sense with COVID and everything. I'm sure it was a big pain for them to get out here and travel and all the testing that had to go into it. Might as well get two games out of it. Uh, And, yeah, Gophers looking good so far. And, BG, we're looking a lot better than we did last year, at least from a depth standpoint. Uh, I mean, we got some guys at guard – especially guys back from last year, Marcus Carr and Gabe Kelscher, who are playing just tremendous to start the season, particularly Marcus Carr. I mean, he's a walking bucket. He was last year as well. He just kind of ran out of steam towards the end of that Big Ten season when we started to fall off. Uh, but, I mean, this team is good. I think they're a lot better than last year, and they got some depth. I like Liam Robbins a lot The transfer from. Uh, he, he's from Iowa originally. I think – what was – Went to Drake, I think. Drake, yeah. I was going to say to Paul. Yep. I was going to say to Paul, but Drake – uh, seven foot, you know, pretty athletic on the inside, can block shots, and he, he's been pretty fun to watch so far. But BG, what, what what have you been liking uh, about this Gopher team so far?
3: Well, on the topic of Liam Robbins, I agree, he's looking good. Uh, seven footer, and he hit a three um, against LMU. I think it was maybe Green Bay. I think LMU the second game, and obviously, if you can do that, you got touches a big man, and he's a good free throw shooter. Um, you're obviously going to do well. Um, in the big 10. and he's gonna have to because he has a very tough slate ahead of him with going off against Luka Garza, uh, Kofi Cochran from Illinois. He's gonna, he's gonna be in a super, he's going be in for a big surprise when he goes from playing against the bigs that Drake would play to the big Ten. But I mean he's, he's playing well so far. I think you nailed it. Marcus Carr is the star of the team. He's averaging 31 points per game. Uh, through the first two games, and I think what's it's going to come down to uh, to determine if this U of M Gophers team has a shot making it at the tournament is going to be how the people around Marcus Carr perform. We have Kelscher, like you said. Um, he is a very good shooter when he shoots well, but he is very streaky, mm-hmm. um, and he has started off pretty ice cold this season. I think a huge player for the Gophers that determines how well we do is going to be Booth Gotch. The transfer we got from Utah and the Austin, Minnesota native who is a small forward, but he can pretty much play one through four and he is extremely fast. He drives to the hole. He shoots. He plays defense. He's an all around player. And I think he, from the way Kelsher is playing right now, Booth looks like our second best player on the team. In my opinion, I think Kelsher is our second best, but he's not playing that way through these first two and a half games as of right now. But it's going to come down to the Marcus Carr show and how well the supporting crew, the supporting cast does around him. And I mean, yeah, we're playing well so far we're playing borderline division one teams right now, but it's, (laughs) it'll show when the big big 10 season comes on early on. And I mean the next, the next game we have against, or we play is against North Dakota. So definitely a better division one school than green Bay um, and LMU. But I, I won't take it for granted. This is like a preseason, and you got to win every single game, and it prepares you for the Big Ten Conference, probably the toughest conference or the deepest conference for sure in all of college basketball. So we'll take what we can get and um, hope to see a more well-rounded team now that Aturu's gone, and we know Marcus Carr loves to shoot.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, we'll get to the Big Ten in just a minute here. <clears throat> we'll bring in Andy, too, talking about Iowa Uh, But I think you're exactly right about what it's going to come down to this season, the supporting cast around Marcus Carr. I I think Booth Gotch has played tremendous to start this season. I mean, he had 17 points in the first one against LMU. Uh, I think he had like 15 in the opener against Green Bay. And he's looked really good. He can take it to the hole, like you mentioned. He can shoot from outside. He's got long arms. He can defend. And Gabe Kelscher, he needs to be more consistent, and particularly from the three-point line. I mean, he's got a great stroke. I think he struggles at times, maybe with confidence. I don't know what the issue is because it's not technique. Uh, I mean, he's got a great-looking stroke, and, and he just sometimes struggles to find the basket. But when he does, he, he gets hot, and he can make a lot of threes quick, quickly. He plays good defense. He's always in the right position, and he talks well on that side of the floor. I think he's a great number three for this team, and if that can be your number three, I think we're going to be in a great, sh- great shape going forward. If you have Booth Gotch play that number two role, as the second best player on this team, the guy they lean on when Marcus Carr needs a breather or is in foul trouble or anything like that, that is a great spot for Booth Gotch. and I think a great spot for Gabe Kausher is that third spot on this team. And if he can be a guy who can knock down threes and play lockdown defense and be a little more consistent than he's been his first couple years with the Gophers, this is going to be a really good basketball team. They still got Jarvis O'Meara, a friend of the show, coming off the bench he gets a bunch of rebounds, provides some energy. He's a good passer as well, and we all know what he can do uh, above the rim. I mean, he's a tremendous finisher at the hoop, can throw down wicked donks. Uh, Brandon Johnson, another transfer transfer who's been playing pretty well to start this season, he started, I think, the first two games for us. And we also got Eric Curry back for like the seventh year uh, healthy <laughs> again this year after the injury last season. So, I mean, you got some guys, you got familiar faces back, and I think there's a lot more to be excited About this Gopher team uh, than the world's last year.
3: Yeah, and I'll add this quick. I'm I'm watching the game right now because currently they're playing Loyola Marymount, like we said. And Jarvis Omerisa, friend of the pod, had a huge monster uh, put back dunk on all over a guy one handed. I love it. I love it. Got gotta uh, shout that out and. (laughs) Uh, after the shot We are currently up by one point against them So hopefully mm. by the time you're hearing this You're looking at the final score And the Gophers are 3-0 and But I, I mean a test early Not what we want to see for sure But good teams find out a way to win when they don't play well And play tough and tight games So we'll see uh, what kind of team we are At least for this game Are you putting us on, on uh, upset alert right now BG? Well now we're down one. So oh, geez. Th- Okay th- well <laughs> officially
0: we're on upset <laughs> alert
3: now. No.
0: Um, what's the score now, BG? Uh,
3: it's 55-54 commercial. We're still down one.
0: Still down one. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully by the time this comes out, we're 3-0. and But if not, panic already for Gophers <laughs> three, game, three games in. Yeah, <laughs> um, let's move over to Iowa, and we'll, we'll kind of open it up to the rest of the Big Ten as well, Renandi. I think seven teams in the top 25 for the Big Ten – uh, so far to start this season, and, and top to bottom, it's really
4: a, a deep league. Yeah, and I think uh, I think Iowa the deepest team in the Big Ten. Uh, and, and obviously, I'm a little biased. I, I probably follow the team more closely than than most other people. But Luca Garza, I mean, is is already putting up huge numbers. He's averaging over 33 points in two games, but he's only played an average of 26 minutes both games. Um, so basically playing just over a little half a game and still putting up 33 points. Um, I mean, it's just something else. And the team around him is shooting 40% from three. Um, and they have just a plethora of guys who can shoot. Uh, Joe Wieskamp is playing well. Co- Patrick and Connor McCaffrey are, are, are showing up. Jordan Bohannon, a uh, ton of assists. He's a uh, really stepping into that role as the, uh, um, as the playmaker on the court. And then, uh, Aaron Uless, uh Tyler Ulys's uh, little brother. He's been getting some playing time. That's been good to see. Just, um, I mean, Fran McCaffrey in years past likes to play at least ten guys. Likes to go deep into that bench. Uh, he'll put up put up a little half court pressure to eat into that shot clock. Um, and I think you know the big test for Iowa is is this next weekend against North Carolina in the uh, Big Ten ACC Challenge, and then. Turn right around and playing number one Gonzaga after that. So, um, I mean, if Iowa can win those two games, then they'll be definitely ranked number one in the nation. Um, and it'll be – we'll see who can stop them, but it's going to be hard for any team of the Big Ten to to get through the Big Ten schedule without a without a loss or two.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Big Ten is loaded. Iowa might be the best team in the Big Ten. Illinois, another team in that conversation – I mean, Illinois is phenomenal as well. Um, Let me try to pull up the rankings here. I'm getting that.
1: under, in total at tip.
0: That was some CBS Sports ad right there. Um, But the Big Ten is really good this season, and it's going to be fun, especially to see Gonzaga match up with Iowa, see how Luka Garza responds. And we were talking about it before we started recording, but Gonzaga is so deep. Jalen Suggs, the Minnesota guy on there as well. But they got four or five guys, or I would say at least four guys, on their team who all could be the best player on their team. And I don't know all the names of the guys yet, but Jalen Suggs, the one from Minnesota I know well, he could be the best player on this team as well as maybe three or four other guys.
3: Yeah, Suggs is an absolute beast, putting up 24 points in his first game against Kansas, one of the best teams in the nation. And as a point guard, scoring 24 points is you know, not very typical for a point guard, but he still is capable of putting up double digits assists every night. And one of the first plays in the game was an alley-oop lob to him, their point guard. He was just something special. And he's going to be a high lottery pick if he keeps playing that way. And Gonzaga as a team is very deep as well. I forget the guy's first name, but Tilly um, for Gonzaga, their power forward, sometimes plays five. He might be the best player on the team too. The second game he had 28 points, 10 rebounds. And I remember him coming out of high school. I think he's a sophomore now, second year. At Gonzaga, he was Mr. Basketball out of the state of Washington, so staying close to home, and one of the top prospects in the nation. And he's a big guy, he's a bruiser, and he can shoot. And Gonzaga can just get at you so many different ways. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to that Iowa-Gonzaga game. I think the national championship, or the national champion, is one of those teams. And I, I feel like both deep teams, the only advantage that one has is Iowa. Uh, with their uh, the veterans that they have on their team and experience, which is huge, as we all know, when it comes to March Madness. So Gonzaga is very good, and I got to say this quick: we are officially um, in upset mode right now. We the Gophers may be getting upset. We're down three with about three and a half to play. Oh, so keep us I updated I know we were talking BG, about them will... before, and <laughs> this may be a big, um, yeah, this might be a big little dud on our on our season. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, we'll keep us updated. I'm sure that we might still be recording by the time that one gets done. Um, But just looking through the top 25 here, Iowa number three currently in the AP, Wisconsin number four, Illinois number five. So three, four, and five, all Big Ten teams. Gonzaga, like we mentioned, number one. Baylor currently sitting at the number two spot. And then Duke and Kansas fall sixth and seventh. Then you got Michigan State at eight. So I mean, you got four of the top eight teams are from the Big Ten three of the top five, I mean, this this is the deepest Big Ten and the highest ranked I've ever seen three or four Big Ten teams, at least that I can remember.
3: Yeah, and last season, I, I, I don't know how many ranked teams we started with or ended with, with the college basketball season obviously being cut short, but we had a lot the entire season, and that was the deepest I think I've ever seen uh, the Big Ten in my lifetime, seven or eight teams. Maybe even more of that might have made March Madness. I think it was more. Let's mm-hmm. just say a minim- at least eight teams uh, yeah. were going to make March Madness. I think I remember ten. it
0: being like in the bracketology, like they had 10 projected Big Ten teams, and that was something, you know, some of the last few teams are always hit or miss, whether they get that last Big Ten team or they take somebody else. But, yeah, I mean, it was going to be an all-time number.
3: Yeah, and the Gophers finished either 15 and 16 or 16 and 17 under 500 by one game, whatever it was at that point. But Ken Palm had us ranked in the – it sounds wrong, but I, I just saw – I think he had us ranked 27th mm. with some of the wins we had and just the way we played games and the the mar, the, the loss margin. But it's it's just crazy. And seven-ranked teams started off the season like we talked about. So there very well, well could be more teams uh, than 10 that make it to the March Madness. Gophers are – I guess <laughs> already down in our third game might lose that. I thought we were going to be right on that bubble um, for maybe being ranked, but it, we're going to be subpar big 10. I'd probably say just because with having seven ranked teams, it's hard to do that. But one of those teams that could make March madness with a v- not very great record, like we saw last season. So it, it, it's, it's a great college basketball season to be a big 10 fan. And I'm hoping that the, the Gophers can show us some stuff and, um, have a good season, too, in one of the toughest conferences uh, in the nation.
0: Yeah, and I don't think it's time to throw in the flag yet on this Gopher season here. Uh, even if we do drop this game and drop to 2-1, and one, it would be a tough loss to LMU for sure. But, I mean, there's still a lot to be excited about. They're going to have the strength of schedule, like you mentioned, when it comes down to tournament time. And I'm hoping we just get that far. If we get to that point, uh, it'll feel like a win, honestly, if they play that many games and uh, yeah. college basketball is still – still running and still going. Okay. I, it'll be a big win just to get to that point. If we could see a big 10 tournament too, man, that would, that would be awesome. Absolutely. Awesome. Uh, BG, Andy, anything else? Big 10 college hoops related here as the uh, first week of college hoops is underway.
3: Yeah. One last, uh, one last thing for the Gophers and two more for just college basketball in general. Mm-hmm. And I think Randolph dropped off the call, but um, I mentioned it before that Kelsher is ice cold to start the season, and we're going to need him to play well. Uh, we're not playing well tonight and to play well for the rest of the season. And they showed his stats for tonight. He is one for 11. Mm. And as your best shooter, great form. You cannot be one for 11. A guy who's kind of a veteran on this Gophers team, that's just completely unacceptable. And then the two things, moving on from the Gophers, for the beginning of college basketball that I have is that, One, the final score of the Murray State-Greenville game the other night was 173-95. to Murray State won. And Murray State had 117 bench points. Oh, my goodness. Which is just unbelievable. It's the fifth highest-scoring game in NCAA basketball history. And coincidentally, three of the top five highest-scoring games have been against Loyola Marymount, the team of Gophers <laughs> are tied with, with 240 left. Right oh,
0: okay. Now. We're tied.
3: We're tied. Yeah, we're coming go. back.
0: Let's go. We're on so, the,
3: we're
0: on the kind way of crazy back.
3: crazy all around with that stat. And then the last one, we've been talking about the Minnesota guys. Um, Jalen Suggs had a great couple first games. Mm-hmm. McKinley Wright had a great first game with Colorado. He very well could be one of the best players in the Pac-10 if not the best player, he's extremely good. He had 24 points his first game. And something that I found out Monday when I was watching college basketball is that Karen Walton, if you remember him, he was the shooting guard for Hopkins. Oh yeah. He's yeah. a freshman this year. He plays for North Carolina, oh. which I did not know. And I was watching the game today, and he sank a three, and they said his name. So uh-huh. he's having a good little start to his career too. But it's fun to see these guys. We say it every year. Minnesota is getting better and better at basketball in the college level and the high school level, or at the high school level going into college. Yeah. I mean. And it's, it's cool to see these guys just dominate all over the country in different conferences.
0: Yeah, just add them to the long list of Minnesota Hoopers uh, dominating college basketball in some part of the country. They're everywhere. I mean, you can't turn on the TV anymore uh, on a college basketball Saturday or a Tuesday on ESPN and not see somebody – in a prime time game from Minnesota making big plays. I mean, it's awesome to see all these guys scattered throughout the country. Obviously we'd love to keep them home and have them play for the Gophers, but you know, many of them make better decisions for their future than going to play for <laughs> Minnesota and they go somewhere else. That's better at preparing them for the draft. And you know, you yeah, can't really blame yeah. them for that, no. but yeah, can't uh, at all. definitely cool to see.
3: Yeah.
0: righty, BG, anything else? College hoops, gopher related.
3: Uh. Nothing specifically related other than we're getting into one of the best times um, of the year for sports where we got college football going, even if it's half of the Big Ten teams. we got the NFL going. We have college basketball back, thank God. And we have the NBA coming up really soon because of the short season. It will be fun to see these, this new Timberwolves team that we have. So it's a great time uh, to be a sports fan.
0: And now moving on to the tales of Ramblin' Ricky. Ricky, what do you got for us this week?
1: Hey, Bill. Uh, yeah, uh, interesting one. Um, about a guy named Quentin Tarantino. Oh yeah, the famous director. Um, I know you said you've uh, you're, you're a big fan of his work, and I am too, dude. He's got, I know Django. I think is that's probably one of the best movies ever made, in my opinion. It is just, it is an unbelievable movie. Um, but he, <laughs> the story doesn't paint the best light of him. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. In the end, it's it's. It's, um, I don't know how to describe it. The actresses that were involved in these incidences have both come out, and like I said, will say at the end, they've, they have the utmost respect for Tarantino, and they, they never felt like they were abused in any way, and they love working with him. Um, but a big but in there is that...
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, something's wanna, coming bad after this.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, woman by the name, or actress by the name of Uma Thurman. Uh, she's kind of a, an icon. Um, I never really knew what she was in, but you'd always heard her name. Mm, yeah, um, she was in that Pulp Fiction, the movie Pulp Fiction. I don't know. Did you ever see that one?
0: I never have. I've heard of it. I, people say it's like one of the best movies ever made, or whatever. You know. Yeah,
1: people but, people rave about it, and it, it's it's John certainly Travolta out there. Was in that movie too. Yeah. Yep. Travolta, and then um, uh, what's it called? Uh, Samuel L. Jackson was in there too, and
0: yeah, he's in a bunch. Isn't he in like every Tarantino movie? He's in a whole like lot of
1: talk. them, dude, yeah. which is super cool. And I think Bruce Willis is in this actually too, for a little bit, but. Um, either way, uh, Uma Thurman, She uh, she's worked with Tarantino on a number of films, um, including uh, Pulp Fiction and then Kill Bill, which he had said it was a movie. I thought those were TV shows, but uh, apparently they're movies. And so he, she's worked with him a number of times. And she, like I said, she has all, all respect for him. But um, this came out a couple of years ago. She shared a bunch of stories about Tarantino that were pretty wild and, and somewhat messed up. Um, and our buddy, the, buddies, the Welches, they were telling us about this a little bit back in the day, and I had looked it up, and it was, yeah, pretty pretty eye opening here. So
0: yeah, the Welchers have been on um, the show.
1: They had, yeah, that's right. <laughs> former guests of the show. Um, former guests of the show. Um, And uh, Ryan was saying that if the Vikes lost, he would have had some choice words, and would have loved to come on your podcast, but they didn't. Hey. Uh, so
0: yeah, we're uh, still alive. Uh, dreams still
1: alive. Yes, sir. Um, So anyway, so there's been a number of times where he stepped in. That Tarantino has stepped in for other actors during scenes in which punishments and abuse are involved, um, and these include choking Uma Thurman with a chain and spitting on her in Kill Bill, um, in addition to forcing her to. And this one wasn't like hit, involved with him in like uh, firsthand, but he forced her to drive a car that was deemed unsafe before it was uh, driven, and it ended up crashing, and she's apparently still dealing with injuries to this day. And I think that was about a decade ago. Um, Oof. And so, but this is the wildest story. Um, and I was talking a little earlier about *Inglorious Bastards*, but she was talking about a scene in which actress Diane Kruger um, was being choked by a- actor Christoph Waltz. And Christoph Waltz—he's—he's uh, he's been in a couple different movies. He was in the newest James Bond movie. Um, he is so good, so so good. Uh, he's the—he's
0: he, uh, he, the Jew Hunter in *Inglorious Bastards*.
1: Yes, that's him. Yep. Gotcha. Yep. Yep. Um, he is, and yeah, then he's, he's a in, phenomenal actor. He is so good. And then he was in, what other movie was he in with? Oh, yeah, he was in Django, too. He was the, uh, have you seen Django? Yep, yep. I'm trying yep. to remember what his character was in that. Um, he was the uh, bounty hunter. That's The right. original bounty hunter yep. that was trying to find, uh, yeah. He's um, always the villain. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he was like the villain, and then also the good guy in, uh, it's hard to say in Django, but yeah, he was not a good guy in Glorious Bastards at all. Yeah. Um, nonetheless, uh, Christoph Waltz, he feared that he would choke Diane Kruger too hard or not hard enough to where it would not look realistic. And apparently Tarantino came in and he qu- said, quote, uh, I know exactly what I need to do and I think I should just do it. Um, and then he tells Diane, uh, Diane Kruger, I'm going to be the hands. I'm going to just strangle you. I'm going to cut off your air for just a little bit of time. We're going to see the reaction in your face and then we'll cut. Um, and his re- reasons were that the movie strangulations in the past he had said never looked real to him. And that quote, they never get the blood vessels bulging or the eyes filling with tears and they don't get a sense of panic that happens when your air is cut off. Um, wow. The way I always heard the story is that she passed out during filming. Um, and that she, They did like two 30 second um, what's it called? 30 second rounds of it. Um, but I could not find anywhere that said that she did pass out. Um, but that, that was the original story I heard. Um, I think the Waltz's that said that and if they could I'll ask him later. Not wow. that it's going to matter. But, uh, um, Did she so, ever yeah, and, sue
0: Tarantino the, or anything
1: like that? Because that's the craziest thing. Um, at the very, at two or three. Um, Diane Kruger and Uma Thurman both said they loved working with Tarantino and they have the utmost respect for, for Tarantino and they would do it all again. And I don't see the correlation there. <laughs> you mean, know what I mean? She like,
0: wasn't upset about it. She was like all for the process or whatever and getting choked almost. You choked you accept, to passing yeah, out she, she, basically
1: to passing to the uh, point of passing out and that I can't unfortunately be quoted on. Um, like I said, I'll do some more research on that. But that's, that was the original story I heard, that she he passed out during the scene. And that's why Christoph Waltz didn't want to do it, because he didn't know he didn't want to, her to pass out or anything. But then Tarantino just stepped in and was like, All right, I, I know what I need to do. It's, this is what has to happen. Um, but basically, Diane Kruger said, um, uh, she says, For the record, however, I would like to say that my work experience with Quentin Tarantino was pure joy. He treated me with utter utter respect and never abused my, his power or forced me to do anything I wasn't comfortable with. Um, and so, like I said, I, I wouldn't prefer to get strangled and passed out. And, you know, I, I would be pissed and I would probably sue about the case, but I don't know, man, maybe he's just, cause apparently, do you know how all his like racist, you know, he, he's in, he's in Pulp Fiction and he's, he plays a really racist character and he has a lot of racism in his movies. But, you know, Samuel L. Jackson, has gone on record and said that he is the opposite of a racist. Like he's, it's impossible him that he's racist. And so there, there must be just something about this guy that people just adore and people love, even though he does sound like a psycho. Um, but with that said, you know, his movies are damn good and there might be, you know, there's probably a reason behind that. Some of his methods are a little out there.
0: Yeah. It, it's, it's truly strange, his process, but it works for him. I mean, he makes tremendous movies. So uh, yeah, I guess that he does. Yeah, that's incredible. Another incredible story from from Ramble and Ricky. Uh, yeah, and Tarantino. <laughs> I mean, some of the best movies ever made in *Glorious Bastards*. One, of, that's probably one of my favorite movies of it all time. It is unbelievable.
1: Yeah, um, yeah.
0: There was another one that recently came out too. I don't. Oh think yeah. Was, people in the it media was... didn't really like it, but um, once no, they upon didn't. A time um, in Hollywood, I think. In right? Hollywood. Yep. I, I thought that, that was a really, really good movie. Yeah, it was Dude, long that was and kind of slow, but it was like it was. I don't know. It was just really. Really well done, I thought. Uh, it was. It had
1: me, like, I, I didn't realize it. I think the movie's like two and a half, maybe a little more, two and a half hours, and I didn't feel like that at all. Like, I was sucked in the whole time, and the acting was just amazing in there. He got, he, you got to give it to me. He, he can wrangle in the best, best talent for acting, and so that's, maybe that wasn't always yeah. his thing, but.
0: I mean, Brad can't. Pitt and Leonardo, I mean, that's, how can you beat that? I mean, that.
1: Exactly, you just can't, yeah. exactly, and so that, they, they played those roles perfectly, so. It was a little, it was, uh, I think that was his last movie. I think that's, he said it was his final movie.
0: Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. I maybe, mean, maybe not going out with as big a bang as you would have liked if you're a huge Tarantino fan, but that's a pretty good yeah. movie to end on for sure.
1: Yep. I, I would say if that was any other, uh, any other director, I'd say they'd be in pretty dang good shape in their career, but he, uh, he ends it on that one and people are a little bummed for, you know, well, for whatever reason, because like I said, maybe the expectations were just too high, but I thought it was a great mm-hmm. movie
0: yeah who knows maybe he'll come back and make another one someday too yeah come out of retirement Yeah, you hard know. to say it's
1: happened before many times that it has that it has
0: all right ricky thank you we'll see you next
1: week no problem
2: another turning point a fork stuck in the road time grabs you by the wrist directs you where to go So make the best of this test and don't ask why It's not a question but a lesson learned in time It's something unpredictable but in the end that's right I hope you have the time of your life So take the phone and still frames in your mind. Hanging on a shelf and good up and good times. Tattoos and memories and dead skin on try. For what it's worth, it was worth all the while. It's something unpredictable, in the end that's right. I hope you have the time of your life. In the end, that's right. I hope you have the time of your life. It's something unpredictable. In the end, that's right. I hope
1: you have the time of your life.
2: That was awesome, guys. That, that was awesome. That whistle part was
3: really
0: good. Thank that you. Was.